0: The man is Kale, and he is in charge with Bridge Shadows. Thanks so much for joining the antidote. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Oh, come on. Be truthful. It's not really that great. Okay, it sucks to be here. But thanks for coming and for feeling sorry for me.
1: I'll be honest, I would rather take some kind of sandpaper, rub it all over my body and jump into a pool full of rubbing alcohol. Is that, <laughs>
0: is that better? Yeah, that's getting pretty strange. Okay, so okay. listen, this has been a really, really great talk and thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously, KL, you've been at this music thing a long time. What about taking us back to day one and tell us about the very first KL Music Project?
1: <sighs> the very first music project that would probably be of any notes would be wedding party. I mean, unless you want to talk about you know bands that I was in when I was a teenager but um sure, tell me
0: about those and totally embarrass us and yourself.
1: Well, they were <laughs> they were the typical high school bands. We played one show and that was it. I was just kind of like not really in the music after high school. I mean, I loved music, but I didn't really have the opportunity because where I grew up, nobody wanted keyboards in a metal band.
0: (laughs) No, that would be a
1: rarity. It would. And I did play in one band after high school, but I wasn't with them when they started playing shows or anything like that. Yeah. So I left and just did my own thing for a while and kind of didn't really get involved in music per se. Until I moved to Nashville, just to get out of Connecticut, and that's when I fell in with a group called Wedding Party,
0: which is not to be confused with the rock band The Wedding, or the London, Ontario metal band The Wedding Party. And like I don't know what it is with Christians and having "wedding" in the band name.
1: I just, I just want to say we were the first.
0: <laughs> You've always been the original, haven't you? Yes, we have. <laughs> There must have been a good reason for choosing the band name. That was before my time.
1: Um, The band was started by Sherry, or her last name is now Bjorn, but Sherry Bjorn and William Waters, whose name was William Knight. And they just had a vision for this band, and somehow
0: I ended up involved in it. And Wedding Party had just a single release, the Anthems album, back in 1998. That was a solid album, but did it get the impact you guys were looking for?
1: I would say it got beyond the impact that we were expecting. You know, it really did. Um, Will passed away a couple of months ago, and it was amazing the amount of people that were coming out of the woodwork saying how much that album had an impact on them and how much that album, you know, the Lord through that album helped change their life. And how they really felt the spirit of God and during our concerts and even coming from the album itself. That sounds kind of strange, but um, for the amount of time that we were around, which is only really just over two years, I mean, that album did have a pretty good impact on people. And I'm thankful that I was a part of that.
0: And the thing is, is that wedding party fit into this narrow niche, old goth with a Christian message. And it also came out of the 80s and 90s, the militant Christian era. And I'm wondering if that explains the lyrics of War Memorial when it says, We give our lives up, and if we must, we will die. In his service, our last command is our battle cry. Stand. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds.
1: You know, Will was definitely militant. When it came down to his faith and when it came down to what he felt God calling him to do, he always looked at it as kind of like a military esque type operation, which is true. There is spiritual warfare out there. And he kind of latched on to that. And I'm not saying, you know, I disagree or agree. You know, they weren't my words. You know, I just kind of like um, wrote the keyboard parts. You just
0: make it sound like you're just there for the ride. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, We had so many people come in and out of the band in the two-year existence. But Sherry, Will, and I were the ones that were there at the beginning, and we were the ones that wrote it all the way down. You know, so it's kind of, I don't want to say I was just along for the ride because, you know, to talk to Sherry, you know, she's like, well, you did so much more than, you know, you give yourself credit for. And that's possibly true. I don't know. I don't want to come across as being like, well, I was, low. you know, I don't want to say anything like that. But it was just more of along the lines of I knew my role in the band and I pretty much stuck to that role, if that makes any sense.
0: If you were comfortable with that is the main thing. So many artists get drawn into stuff that they really aren't capable, qualified or comfortable doing.
1: Um, you know, it's it's weird at the time. I was just a keyboard player and it's one of the things I suffer with or go through myself is not giving myself enough credit you know trying to be humble about it I don't know if that makes me sound conceited but I can't take more credit than I'm owed I mean I'm sure Shuri would disagree if she were on this call with us but um, you know I just know in my own mind that that is the role i was in was a keyboard player now in bridge shadows it's entirely different
0: well that's the thing that i was going to say is that you know following up now from wedding party to bridge shadows it does have a similar feel to wedding party but it's certainly not a clone
1: you know When I started Bird Shadows and when I started writing, I've always been more of a metal slash rivet head. I've always loved industrial. I've always loved metal. And if you listen to Wedding Party, there are some elements that are definitely metal and it's definitely goth. But I never really set out to be a clone of Wedding Party. matter of fact, the very first interview I gave when um, the very first Bird Shadows album came out, was don't expect a continuation of Wedding Party. You know, this is a totally different beast. Mm -hmm. And over time, because I've been around for, I want to say since the early 2000s, doing this in one form or fashion as Bridge Shadows, people have forgotten about the Wedding Party tie-in. To the point where I'd played Cornerstone, and I remember this one girl coming up to me, and after hearing Bridge Shadows and being a fan of Bridge Shadows, she was like, you were in wedding party. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I was. And that's happened on a couple of occasions. you know It's kind of cool that in one aspect, I've always stood in a shadow of wedding party, but it seems to be getting less and less as I go
0: on. Yeah, I get that. Well, I gotta say that a couple of weeks ago, I went online hunting for the 2005 self-titled from bridge shadows (laughs) and i had no luck finding it so then i messaged you and you told me that cd was not something that i was proud of sonically no (laughs) tell me was it really that different from the follow-up release
1: sonically it was like the technology has gotten better over the years and my grasp of technology has gotten better over the years and that first Bridge Shadow CD, it wasn't recorded on on a computer. It was recorded on like Roland and Yamaha used to have these standalone 24-track recorders. Mm-hmm. It was recorded on something like that. And it was then put onto a computer where I ran it through some kind of program to try to clean it up. But I really had no idea what I was doing. To be honest, I still don't have any idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but it was around cornerstone of 2004 and this guy who was my manager Jason Asaj Epperson wanted something to sell at cornerstone so i did it and away it went and i will say much to my surprise a lot of people tended to love that album but i just listened to it and i'm just like Ew. <laughs> you know to me the quality is just not there But I'm thinking about doing something about that. I'm not really sure what yet, you know.
0: (laughs) Can I really embarrass you then? Because the self-titled wasn't the first Bridge Shadows release. I did some checking and I found (laughs) 2002 had version 1.0 and the song Digitalis. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I do hear the difference between the then and the now of Bridge Shadows, but I wouldn't be disappointed by it.
1: Well, I think it just goes back to the whole, um, you know, George Lucas released Star Wars back in 1977. But it always left him with some kind of itch he had to scratch. You know what I mean? It's just the technology wasn't where he wanted the story to be. And I think the same is true with me. The technology back then didn't really effectively tell the stories that I wanted to tell back then. Um, If you notice, I re-released Identity. That was the first release through um, A.D. Windblown Media. Mm-hmm. And Identity was on the second Bridge Shadow CD, the self-titled. And it sounds totally different, but you could tell it's still the same. It's really weird.
0: But think about it. Bridge Shadows, that very first release, 2002, here we are almost 20 years later. Doesn't every artist evolve over that type of time frame?
1: They do, and most of the artists I know listen to their old stuff, and they're kind of like the same way I am. Kind of like, wow. I think the music itself stands, but I don't think the quality does. As I said, I just redid um, Identity. And when I redid it using the technology I have now, it sounds like a totally different song. And also, my guitar playing is a lot better. You know, I mean, we're talking 20 years of progress. And when it was released, it got a lot of great feedback about it. And actually, it's weird you would mention Digitalis because that's also something else I'm working on for a re-release.
0: Would you be totally embarrassed if I play it? Not at all. (laughs) Okay, it's on. You know, just a second ago, you mentioned about artists listening to their music. Something else that you told me is that you said, I don't listen to music. I always have music running through my head. Hearing music in the audio sense clashes with the music you hear coming from the right side of the brain. Right. Something I can't figure out, though, is that a gift or is it a curse? It depends. (laughs) It really does.
1: I think it's um, at times it's a curse because it does drive you nuts. It's a curse when you're not sitting in front of your gear to interpret it. You know, but it's a gift when you are sitting in front of your stuff where you can interpret it. I've run home at times, said hi to my wife real quick as I'm running into the studio because I heard something. You know, and it's a rarity where you get to do that.
0: So the thing is, when you talk about constantly having music running through your head, that would make it sound as if creating music would be easy for you. But is it?
1: (laughs) I could hang up with you right now and come up with a riff within five minutes and have a song within an hour and have it ready to the point of being demoed. Wow. I mean, it it never stops. Even sitting here now, I'm just looking around my studio and I'm like, you know, getting ideas, you know, things I want to try, things I want to do. And the well never runs dry. It never
0: does. Well, that's interesting that you say that because really you're not prolific.
1: You know, I'm not as prolific as I'd want to be because, you know, family, Mm -hmm. you know, my son has special needs. He has autism. So it does take time. And, and, you know, again, I try to separate the music from the family. So music is done on a, when I can do it basis, or if I have something important, I have to get done. You know, I don't really get into the studio as much as I'd like to. So that's what happens when you have a family, (laughs) but, um. In the same token, it's just, I know I can get down here. And even if I spend five minutes, put everything on, grab a guitar, play a riff I just came up with, put it down, then run out, take care of something
0: else. You know, at least I got something done. I get you. Yeah. I should tell you that I'm usually grabbed by harder music. So on the Bridge Shadows Pray for Rain release, I really go for the song Feedback. The chorus of the song says, give some feedback. Well, I want to take that out of context. What kind of feedback did the album receive?
1: It received good feedback for the most part. I will never take anything away from what Jonathan did for production. Um, He was with a band called Coriolis. And I'll never take anything away from what Bethany did with vocals. But in my mind... I can't even say that like it, it, it served its purpose. You know, it, it served its purpose. Um, it just seemed to stop selling when I was about to make back anything I put into it, (laughs) you know, it did really well, but it wasn't really pushed, you know, for whatever reason, like, um, the label I was signed to at the time folded. Gee, there's a
0: surprise, eh? Yeah. Well, (laughs) like every label seems to fold.
1: Well, it was run by, it was Young Side Records. It was run by Arlene Maris. And Arlene had something to do with Savior Machine at one time, I believe. She was also a manager for Disciple okay, way back when. And she just finally decided that, you know what? She's given enough time to music. She wants time with her family, which was understandable. Mm-hmm. So it folded, you know, and I got a whole bunch of CDs back and, I just never really pushed it on my own for whatever reason. I'm not gifted in that area. I could never
0: run a label. Well, back in the Pray for Rain era of Bridge Shadows, then it was a full band. You had, what, four members? We had
1: three members and a bunch of people that played shows with us live. We didn't have a drummer. Um, we had two drummers that played with us live, a guy named Brett Gaska and a guy named Jimmy Yanis play drums for us live you know but uh yeah it was a full band
0: but here we are now it's 13 years after pray for rain but now it is just you
1: yeah it's yeah pray for rain was an experiment and i also find myself not really wanting to sing you know i would just rather play keyboards and guitar and i thought that And Jonathan has a pretty powerful voice, and so does Bethany. And I thought that, you know, it would be a band, and it would let me do what I really wanted to do. But, you know, life happened. You know, we scattered to the four winds, and, you know, it wasn't anything bad, per se. I mean, yeah, we had some band disagreements and whatnot, but, you know, I was moving from Chicago back to Connecticut. Bethany at the time, um, she's married now. She's living somewhere out in the Midwest, and Jonathan is married and living somewhere. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just easier to do it on my own. You know, that way, the band conversations and the band arguments are much more effective.
0: <laughs> you can just battle with all your multiple personalities. I sure can. <laughs> so now you're back at it, releasing a pair of singles. As you'd mentioned, Identity and Razor, there's a connection between the choruses on the two songs. Razor says, let them speak, let them scream, let them break away from me. And Identity says, who am I that screams? Who am I that dreams? Who am I that fears you? What's my name? I'm guessing that you're building these into a larger story.
1: Yeah, I think it's a story of me.
0: To be uh, totally, you know. Um. <laughs> so these are the different personalities.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, the, the strange thing is, in one aspect, they might be autobiographical. But they're also autobiographical to anyone that can claim them. You know, I I try not to spoon feed people my lyrics, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, if somebody listens to lyrics and, and they come to one conclusion over that or about the lyrics i'm not one to tell them that they're wrong when somebody comes to a conclusion or if they think they know what you're talking about let them own it that's what i aim for as an artist i don't want to spoon feed people stuff i want them to come to their own conclusions
0: so what you're really saying is that you actually have no idea what your lyrics actually mean (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, the, the the funny thing is, you joke around, but there have been times where, like, I wrote a song, it was on Pray for Rain, and a song was called I Want to Die, and at the time I wrote it, I was actually in a good place, and it was like, okay, why am I writing this song called I Want to Die, you know? And I didn't know until about a year later, some girl heard that song, and I'm not going to mention her name, but the impression that I got was she was thinking about ending her life and she heard that song and the Lord used that song to stop her from doing such. Hmm. And now she's married. She's a missionary and, and she's one of my biggest fans. And it's like, sometimes the lyrics could be prophetic for somebody.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And other times I just think they sound cool and they ended up being prophetic for somebody, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. I get it.
1: But identity is really about finding myself, you know, and razor is kind of like about the same thing, but it's more along the lines of letting things go. You know, it's like, um, let them speak, let them scream, let them break away from me. That could be things that aren't good for me, or it could be dreams or it could be, you know, you could also look at the lyrics as, finding something you know holding on to something you know just in other words i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) but talking about that letting things go that's one of the most difficult things everyone says oh you just leave it in the past forget about it it doesn't work that way
1: that's why i wrote a song a long time ago called the art of letting go and it really is an art you know um I've been through some difficult periods in my life. And I'm not gonna get into specifics, but I've had to let bitterness go. I've had to let hatred go. I've had to let anger go. And some of these people that I did that with are now some of my closest friends. And if I were to tell you who they were, you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Because hanging on to things is like a cancer. It just eats at you, and it just eats at you to the point where you're numb. And then you're numb, you're still feeling something, but it's not anything that's positive. And I think a lot of the songs that I write are from that same vein, or that's where I think they are. But again, people take them, digest them, and get something else entirely different from them.
0: Your website has this to say about Bridge Shadows. It's a bridge that unites the creator with the created. I mean, that's a big goal. And I'm serious when I ask this. Can that actually be achieved?
1: I think it already has been. A long time ago, I got a track from some group. You know, I think it was a charismatic group. I forgot. You know, the people that hand out tracks and like to shake the tambourines and... (laughs) <laughs> I got a track from uh, I got a track from from some of those people and I, I don't say that in the negative I'm just not charismatic myself um but it showed a little stick figure picture of a man on one side of a chasm and on the other side of the chasm was written God and it said this great chasm of sin has separated man from God for the longest you know just went into that whole yeah. spiel. And then it asked, what will ever unite man with God? And then the cross came down as like a bridge. And I'm like thinking, wow, that's really cool. The cross is a bridge between man and God. And so then I um, was reading a book by Max Lucado years later, and it was talking about the cross standing at the hinge of history. And the shadows of the cross fall upon history. And so... One day I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, the cross stands at the end of history, and all of us will forever live in its shadow. Huh. For its shadows.
0: Huh. That sounds interesting.
1: <laughs> so I went with it.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And now you've explained the name.
1: Yeah, I did. <laughs> I think that's up on one of the websites I had, but I didn't attribute that to me. I just put it down as unknown because I don't want people to think I'm that smart. <laughs>
0: No, you stole it from Max Lucado.
1: Well, no, there's a <laughs> there's like a little like a two or three paragraph thing I wrote up. You know, it it was inspired by Max Lucado, but I didn't really steal it word for word.
0: <laughs> well, I guess you should let us know when do we hear more from Bridge Shadows?
1: Um they're talking about releasing a song in sometime in December. So I have to really get it together on that. But we're also talking like sometime at the beginning of or towards springtime, releasing a full length. But again, we're not really 100% positive yet, you know, because I never really know what I want to (laughs) do. You're just a very confused person. I wouldn't say confused. I would just say indifferent. No, (laughs) that sounds pretty bad. You know, when when it comes down to making band decisions, that is something I stink at. You know, which is why I need a manager. You know to make these decisions <laughs> for me. I I need to be led by the hand. And come on KL, come on, let's go over here, you know. But when it comes down to running something, it's like I'm so lost in the sauce. I'm I'm more of the right brain creative type than I am the left brain organized type. (laughs) I'll freely admit it.
0: (laughs) Listen, Kale, this has been great. I so appreciate you coming for this talk and uh, thanks for sharing the music.
1: You're welcome. It was really my pleasure and I hope you could find something you could use. (laughs)